Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So I'm going to be reading out of Genesis uh, 32, starting in verse 24. Genesis 32, verse 24. We are still in the series called Brand New. As a matter of fact, uh, it is our theme for the year. Uh, so we will build messages around becoming brand new. That is a, a, a promise that God made for all of us, that we are created brand new in his image. Yeah. Come on, that's powerful. So Genesis 32, starting in verse 24. Jacob was left alone, And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. And he said to Jacob, dude, let me go. We've been doing this all night, man. Let me go. It's daytime now. Let me go. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. Jacob replied. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob named the place Peneli. For I have seen God face to face, he said, yet my life has been spared. So I'm going to be talking to you today about creating an atmosphere of change, creating an atmosphere of change. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're moving in this place, Lord God. You're moving in, in our lives, Lord God, we just we come expecting change, Lord God. We come expecting, Lord God, all that you have for us, Lord God. All that you have for us, Lord God. Nothing less of that. Nothing less of that. We are here. We want to position, our, position ourselves, Lord God, to experience what you have for us, to, to receive what you have for us, Lord God. Thank you for being our God. And thank you for allowing me to minister your word, Lord God. Thank you for the awesome call that you placed in my life, Lord. What a great honor to minister your word, Lord God. Think with my mind and speak through my vocal cords. We don't want regular church. We want to see you move in this place. Yes, shout, move, God. Come on, shout him again. Move, God. Move in this place. Move on my life. Move, God. Come on, hallelujah, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, give him some praise. Yes, you may stand for the rest of the service. So we have been waiting for things to get back to normal. I thought I'd pause for a second on that one. They're not. It's actually getting stranger. I mean, the fact that Texas had one of the worst snowstorms ever, that's not normal. 
As a matter of fact, now if you know where I came from, we, I came from Connecticut, so, I, so the Bible said that the old things are passed away and, and we should forget the, uh, those things behind. I thought I forgot, I, for, I left that behind. I'm just like, oh my goodness, I, this is traumatizing for me. I'm looking at the snow, I was just like, oh, what, this is Texas, this is not Connecticut, oh my goodness, why is it snowing like this? It's crazy here. It's like, oh, it was like traumatizing. I felt like the snow was taunting me. He said, remember me? <laughs> yes, I do, and I don't like you. No, don't do this to me. No more snow. So things are just, it's not normal. What is normal? Yeah. Who is normal? I have never met a normal person in my life. Oh, I'm sorry. You, no one ever told you? So, I hate to be the one to tell you. You're not normal. You wouldn't be here if you were. You're not normal. Unless you, if you are convinced that you are normal, somehow God spoke to you saying that you are normal, please pray for all of us after service. We will line up. You can pray. As a matter of fact, I welcome you up here to minister the word. Give us seven points about how to become a normal person. It's nothing normal. What, what is normal? But in spite of all that's happening around us, we do not have to live in the atmosphere of chaos and turmoil, of depression, right, a doubt or fear. We can live in the atmosphere of glory of God, in the glory of God. We can live in the atmosphere in the glory of God. Now, I'm not talking about always on the mountain and never come down. I'm not talking about always on the mountain praying to God, you know, only talking to God and no one else. No, I'm not talking about that, right? Because we don't want you to be so heavenly minded and no earthly good. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about living in an atmosphere where we experience heaven here on earth. That's how Jesus told us we should pray, right? Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. We're here on earth as it is in heaven. So we can experience heaven here on earth. Are you with me this morning? So we don't have to live in the atmosphere. So I know our people are running scared. I know people are, are depressed. We don't have to live in the atmosphere of depression because God's given us the power to overcome those things. Are you with me? So we have to shift our atmosphere. When you shift your atmosphere, you transform your life. Come on. When you shift your atmosphere, you transform your life. See, see, see we are either being conformed or transformed. We are either being conformed by the ways of this world or we're being transformed in the image of Christ. So we are shaped, some way, somehow, we're being shaped in, in, into something, right? Sometimes we're being in the shaped into an image that we expect us uh, to, to be or we're being shaped in the image that others expect of us. And sometimes we're being shaped by our circumstances. So we're either being conformed or transformed, conformed or transformed. 
when the world is conforming us, it keeps us from worshiping God the way that he wants us to. Right? So we have to understand that Christ in this world has patterns for uh, the ways for us to live. So it depends on which one we choose to live by. Right? I have a little graphic about um, comparing Christ's way of living and the world's way. I just want us to take a, take a kind of look at it. Do we have that? Is anybody there? No one's there. No one's there. Oh, messed up my graphic moment. I promise you, I had a good one. Here it is. Yeah, we got it. Well, do I move, need to move on? Oh, yeah. Oh, let me get mine. See, I'm waiting for So just check this out. So the world's way. We befriend people who are easy to be around or are similar to you or who can prosper prosper or lift you up some way. But if Jesus' way is, befriend all people, including the poor, marginalized and downtrodden, who may be, have nothing to offer in return. If the world's way, avoid associations with undesirable um, anyone other than morally upright and put together who can enhance your image to the outside world. But Jesus' way is, associate with the undesirable, those who admit that don't, they don't have it together. Sacrifice your image to offer love, life, and forgiveness to those who need it. The world's way, seek justice to, in, at all costs. Jesus' way, absorb the injustice, knowing that cost has already been paid. The world's way, distance yourself from the enemies. Jesus' way, love your enemies. The world's way, avoid hard conversations or difficult situations. In order to avoid suffering, Jesus' way, enter into hard conversations and difficult spaces to walk alongside those who are suffering. The world's way, seek to acquire, uh, continue, want more, require more contentment, consumerism and materialism and all the isms, right? The world, uh, Jesus' way is to seek contentment, be thankful for what you have and wanting require less. Protect yourself, your world's way, protect what is yours at all costs, holding tightly to your possessions and do not let them go. Christ's way is acknowledge nothing is yours that wasn't given you by God, hold your hands open to receive, to give as he, as he wills. That's awesome. The world's way, work hard to achieve status, position, success, and wealth. Jesus' way, recognize you are already loved and accepted by the only one who matters and invited to be an heir, invited to be an heir of his internal kingdom. The world's way, invest acquiring worldly treasures. Jesus' way, invest in heavenly treasures and relationships, sharing the good news, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The world's way, rely on your own abilities. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Come on, we've heard that before. But Jesus' way is to lean on God's mighty and limit, limitless ability. Let him pull you up and rest in truth that he will sustain you. He sustain you. Come on, is that good? Come on, whichever voice you listen to, 
will be the one that shapes you. Whatever voice you listen to, listen to it will be the one that shapes you. Amen. See, we have to understand that God and Satan wrestle and communicate your future. So the person you are becoming is the same person that Satan is telling that you're not right now. It's a war going on. So Satan will always remind you of your past. God will always speak to your future. Come on. God will always speak to your future. We will anytime that God's calling you to a next to the next level, you will always meet the next devil. So when, before Jesus into before Jesus preached his first sermon, before he went into his next place to preach, he met the devil. He met the devil. Are you with me? So in our text, we're talking about Jacob. Here's Jacob. He is struggling with his past. His past has finally caught up with him. If you know anything about Jacob, um, his brother and uh, Esau didn't have the best relationship. So now Esau is coming to visit him. And Jacob is scared. So he, he's, he is face, he's facing his past. So if you remember uh, what happened with uh, Jacob and Esau, um, Jacob tricked his brother into giving up his birthright. So he took all the blessings from, from his father. So uh, Esau didn't take kindly to that. He, he took his birthright for a bowl of soup, a stew, right? Um, so, so, so Jacob's name means trickster. So he, ha- so he was facing his, his, his past. He's facing his past. And so he started to pray. He was, he was praying, and, and so he was wrestling with an angel all night, all night. He was wrestling with, with the angel. And I find it interesting that the presence of God, the angel broke his hip. Think about it. Jacob was afraid of Esau. So the angel broke his hip so he couldn't run, if, even if he wanted to. Right? I think that's awesome that he broke his hip. So that means he had to face his past. He had to face his past. But what, what was a blessing in all of this, that God changed his identity. So God, in order for Jacob to move into the next season of his life, God had to change his identity. Because otherwise, he will always identify with the name trickster. If we always identify with the past, we create patterns or pathways that bring us back to where it all happens. It brings us back to where it all happens because we always identify what happened to us in the past, right? God doesn't want us to identify with the past. He wants us to identify who he is or who he's calling us to be, the way that he sees us. Right? You got to say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Well, we need to identify with that. Right? It's, it's, it's one thing of saying that I am a child of God, but it's another of walking in that. 
See, the expectation of us being a child of God means that we, we have to overcome. So in order to overcome, we have to face something to overcome it. So what in your past that God's calling you to face? So that way you can overcome. Before we can move into a next season, God may want to change something. He, he may want to change your identity because sometimes, right, we over-identify with our past, mistakes that we've made, right? Because no, God does not want our past to define us. See, at this point right now, Jacob was defined by his past. He was defined by the name trickster. But we know what Jacob's life been about, right? How powerful he is, the 12 tribe and, and all that. We know, but, be, but this is an important time right now that God changes his ident identity so that way he can identify with his future and not his past. So what in your life, what in your life God needs to change? What in your life that, what in your past that you need to overcome? So Jacob had to face his past, face his past, face his past. So what I want us to take away from this message today is how Jacob created an atmosphere of change. So we got to now back up and talk about how he created an atmosphere of, of change be before God changed his name. C created an atmosphere of change. And there's three, three things we're going to talk about. How Jacob changed the atmosphere, um, created an atmosphere of change and how we can create an atmosphere of change. You ready? So the first one, of course, is prayer. It's through prayer, right? Your life, can, your, your prayer life can create an atmosphere of change. So what I noticed what Jacob did, he pressed in. He prayed all night. He prayed all night. He wrestled all night with the angel. That means he prayed all night until he saw Results. He pressed in. He pressed in. And I love how he did it, right? So it's a short prayer he prayed, and I believe it's a model how we should pray. So going back to verse 12 in Genesis 32, it says, you have said. Oh, we can stop right there. We can stop right there. It says, you have said. Who? He's talking to God. Say, God, you have said. So that, what that does immediately invites God to the conversation and invites him in the conversation. It wasn't Jacob's word. It's not what Jacob has said. It's not what his mama has said. It's not what his daddy has said. It's not what his friend has said. It's not what the church folk has said. It's that, God, you have said. I am here for what you have said. I'm here to receive what you have said. Right? So he repeated the promise that God made in his life. What was the promise? He says, you have said, I will cause you to prosper. I will make your offsprings like sand to the sea, too numerous, um, too, too numerous to be count, counted. 
That's a promise that God made to Jacob. So he was reminding God of the promise he made to him. He said, God, you have said it changes the game. See, it's okay to have desires, right? But it's one thing of, 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 of telling God or, or showing God his desires, right? And to say that now your desires, God, is now my desires. So I'm here because of what you have said. Yeah. I'm here to receive for what you have said. So I'm going to ask you right now. What have God said to you? What promise has he made in your life? I challenge you to go back into prayer, pray all night, and repeat what God has said to you and wait for it to come to pass. Because if he had said it, it would never return to him void. So that means it will manifest in your life. What have God said to you? What promise have he made? It changes the game. Because like we, we, sometimes we make up stuff during prayer. Oh God, you know, I had this great idea or whatever and I think it'd be awesome. I feel like you gave it to me. That's where you're wrong right there. I feel like you gave it to me. That's where you're wrong right there. I feel like you gave it to me. That's where you're wrong right there. It's like, so it's just like, so it's okay to have the desires, but it's one thing to read his word and to know it and to walk in it. You can always remind him of his word, what you have said, right? And then God will speak to you. He would give you different things. He would give you visions. He would give you new desires. And you can always remind him of those desires. It changes the game. Yeah. It changes the game. It's hard to be distracted when you remind God of what he has said. It's hard to be distracted. God, this is what you have said. So I'm not responsible. I know that you are responsible, but I desire what, what you desire. So I'm here for what you have said. I'm in position for what you have said. Amen. So I challenge you to remind God what he has said in your life, and you watch it come to pass. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. Maybe it's someone online right now I'm speaking to right now. Remind God. Get in your prayer closet and remind him of what he has said. It's like, God, I, I desire what you have for me. I'm, I'm a child of God, and I want what you want for my life. Amen? I want what you want for my life. What you have said. See, the idea of wrestling with God in prayer does not mean we are twisting God's arm to get him to act, but rather to show passion and desire to receive what he promised, yes. what you have said. Yes. See, we can attract God's presence with God's word. <laughs> we can attract God's presence with God's word. I mean, he just said, God, what you have said changed the game and invited God into the conversation. It was now in the presence of God. And they started to speak the same language. <laughs> they started to speak the same glory to God. Glory to God. Something is about to change. Something is about to change in this place. Something is about to change in this place. I'm telling you, something is about to change in this place. Amen. We are creating an atmosphere of change where God can come and reside and do his thing when people can fall out and get healed, amen, and get delivered and get restored. We're creating an atmosphere of change, amen. When you create an atmosphere of, of, of God, uh, uh, welcoming God, his, things are going to change. When he walks in the room, things immediate change, immediately change and it never stay the same. You get into the presence of God, you would never, never come out the same way. We're creating an atmosphere 
of change. So they, and so Jacob, he was persistent, man. He was persistent, right? So prayer is a, a persistent prayer is a weapon for our enemy, against our enemy. That's why he tries to stop us from praying when we don't see immediate results. The enemy to stop us from like God, God's not, is God really moving? Is God, did God really say that? Right? But we have to be persistent. That's why you have to know his word, what he said to you, and be persistent about going to him, being persistent. So Jacob was persistent. Like, dude, you need to bless me. Jacob demanded of the stranger because he realized the physical altercation was really about something spiritual. It's really about something spiritual. So sometimes we wonder, like, if God, if, if God heard us, right, or he may be holding out on us, but it's usually a war going on. It's usually something bigger than we can think of, big, bigger than we know. So it's like, it's like it's grown folks' business. Like, what's happening up there is grown folks' business. Sometimes we just need to wait on God, wait for him to show up, let him do his thing, right? Because he's, what he's doing is, is too grown for us. It's too grown for us. So I love it when well, um, um, Daniel was, was praying. Like Daniel fasted for 21 days before he received breakthrough. But when he first prayed in Daniel 10, 12, the angel came to Daniel and said, we've heard your words and I am here because of your word. He says, God heard his word, and I am here because of your word. That is a word for someone here today. God is saying, I've heard your word. I don't care if it was last year. I don't care if it was five years ago. I don't care if it was 10 years ago. God is saying to someone here, I've heard your word, and I am here because of your words. I am here because of your word, and I'm watching over my word, and I'm about to perform that word. I am here because of your word. God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. I want you to know God hears your prayers. He hears your prayers. I know he hears when you're praying for your family members. Never think they will get saved, but God said, I heard, I'm here because of your word. I'm working on them. You don't know. I'm working on grown folks' business. Let me take care of it, right? I'm moving in their life. I'm changing some things. God's hearing about you. Wanting a new job, God said, I'm maneuvering some things around, right? I'm putting your name in, in, on someone's desk, right, to hire you, to promote you. Don't worry about it. I got you. Just do what you're doing now. Just love me. Stay consistent, right? Show people Christ. I got you. It's grown folks' business. I'm taking care of it. I've heard your word. I'm here because of your word. Somebody need to get excited here this morning that God hears our prayers. He's here today because of your word. He showed up today because you are in need of his presence. You are in need of change. He is here today because of it. He heard you. So he showed up here too. He was here before you. He was in a worship. He was in a, he was in a prayer circle. He's here because of your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is amazing. When Jacob prayed, 
he received the ultimate blessing. He saw God face to face. The encounter with God, with God changed his life. It changed his life. See, God's presence provokes change. God's presence provokes freedom. His presence restores. His presence revives. His presence reveals. It's amazing. He got to see God's face. And it says here in verse 28, your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. See, Jacob won the battle in prayer first. Uh, he won the identity battle in prayer first. So before he even faced Esau, he was already changed. He was already a changed man. It all happened in prayer. Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things. It moves mountain. When God show up, something is going to change. Something has to change when God moves. So your prayer, your prayer life counts. Your prayer life matters. Are you praying what God has said? Are you praying what God has said? He said, I hear your prayers, and I'm showing up because of your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It changed. It changed everything. So prayer, we could just stop right there. So he created an atmosphere through prayer. And then he created an atmosphere through humility. I thought this was important because in Genesis 32, 10, if you back up a little bit, he's talking to God, Jacob, he's talking to God, he says, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. Indeed, I crossed over the Jordan with my staff and now I have become two camps. Please rescue me for my brother Esau, for I am afraid of him, otherwise he may come and attack me, my mothers, my children. So, I, I, so I'm thinking, it was just like, so as, as he's praying to God, he's prayed to God with so much humility. So much humility. Right? God loves to close the humble with his presence. He draws near to a humble heart. Come on. Is anyone excited yeah. this morning? So humility creates a habitation of, of God's presence. <laughs> it welcomes him, right? It's really hard for the Lord to come into a prideful heart because he despises a prideful heart, right? So, but if we have a humble heart, it invites him into our hearts, right? So any time that you are concerned with your, you are concerned what God thinks about your decisions and choices, that's humility. That's, that's humility. That's humility. So the thing about humility 
is don't think of yourself less. Just think of yourself. No, don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. That's like humility, right? So that's why, that's, that's what pride is when, you, when we always think of ourselves more than God and, and others, right? See, humility must be in, found in the things we do, not just in the things that we say. Come on. We must be aware of little things, right, that threatens our relationship with God, right, that, that, that threatens our relationship, that prevents us from, prevents us from being more like God. So I love how Paul tells us what, how we should be humble, right, how to walk in humility. He says it in, in Romans 12, in, in verse 1, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present yourself Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. That's humility, to present yourself as a living sacrifice, right? Giving, over to, giving, over, giving yourself over to God. And I love how, how, how Paul described things. He, Paul usually always tells us what God have, has done before he tells us about what we should do. Right? Because he wants us to respond out of gratitude and humility, wow. not out of duty. Right. So he tells us all about the goodness of God first. Right? If you read all the books and end up in, in, in here in Romans, by the time you get here, then he tells us what we should do. But he tells us all about God's goodness and mercies, like how good he is, how awesome God is. And then he tells us how we should respond out of gratitude and humility, not out of duty, not out of duty. So I noticed that it was humility that Jacob had. Humility is a powerful thing. When you choose to submit to the Lord in, in all we do and to surrender every part of our lives, we will be rewarded. Humility, God's looking for a humble person. And then it was honor, the third one. Third one was honor. It was honor. Honor creates an atmosphere of change because it brings blessing, prosperity, peace, and miracles. If you want to capture the heart of God, if you want to capture the heart of God, honor him. Honor him. If you want to move deeper in his presence, honor him. So what does honor mean? What does this mean to honor God? Was to give regard, respect, reverence, obedience, submission. So in Acts 13, 22, it says, And when he had removed him, he raised him up for, for them, David, as king, to whom also he had gave testimony. This is God. He gave a testimony. God gave his testimony. testimony. He said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. He says, I found somebody. I found someone who is after my own heart, who honors me, who cares about my will and not theirs. That's honor. That's honor. Honor is another significant key to hosting the glory of God in your life. Whatever you honor, you attract to yourself. 
Whatever you honor, you receive from. It's hard to honor God. It's hard. When you don't honor God, it's hard to receive from him. Right? It's, if you don't honor leaders, it's hard to receive from them. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. When you honor God's presence, he will draw near to you. <laughs> if you honor his presence, he will draw near to you. He said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So we honor God by drawing near to him. When you honor the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they will manifest. They will manifest. So in the book of Mark, we know this, uh, some of us know the story of Jesus. Um, he had just, he was healing, really ministering, so he's going to his hometown. And and so he was doing the same thing. He was ministering and all that. And then some of the people that know him, that knew him, just like, isn't that the, isn't that the carpenter's son? Isn't that the little boy that was running around the town? The snotty-nosed boy? Isn't that, isn't that him? And so they didn't, they didn't honor the presence of God. So Jesus, he couldn't do any work there. He couldn't do any work there because, because, so Jesus was not withholding blessings. They were withholding honor. He cannot bless us if we, if we withhold honor. So he could not do any work there because honor was not present. So we must give honor to God. To be in the presence of God should be everything to us. We don't have to live in an atmosphere of chaos and turmoil all, all the time. It's like, I need to protect my home. Like, people can't just come in my home and just, just tear stuff up or whatever, just, you know, do whatever they want. I have to protect my home, right? So we need to protect. So being in the presence of God should be, like, we should honor the presence of God. We should, when we should, when we come in the church, this is holy ground. We should be, we should take a position of reverence. It's like, oh, I'm expecting a move of God. Like this is serious business. It's nice to fellowship with one another. It's nice. That's a part of it. But what is God going to do in your life? Let's be humble. What is God going to do in your neighbor's life? What is, he, what, is he go, what is he going to do? I find a lot of times we don't receive miracles. We don't see miracles we, because we are distracted in the presence of God. See, God is saying, I'm here because of your word. But we can't be distracted. We must honor his being in his presence. Being in the presence of God should be everything to us because things change in the presence of God. Imagine if we all had the focus during our worship service 
of being in the presence of God, giving him our best, giving him our best, laying down everything. That's humility, laying down everything and just say, God, I'm here. I'm here. I'm worshiping you. We honor you. Yes, God. I put aside my agenda. I put aside everything else. I am just here to honor you, to worship you. God, move in this place. I mean, things will happen. Imagine if you are so attentive the way that you are right now to hear the word of God. You start pulling things from the speaker. You start pulling things that he or she didn't know they had in them. Right? Because God said, I'm here because of your word. (laughs) I'm here because of your word. I heard your word. I'm here because of your word. I mean, we will see miracles in this place. We will see God move. If someone here needs healing, they should not leave here in the same condition. I believe that. Healing is in the presence of God. Breakthrough is in the presence of God. God restores, he reveals, he heals. Come on, in the presence of God, things change. We need to create an atmosphere of change. Can we do that at this moment right now? Can I have you stand and can we just worship him? Can we create an atmosphere of change with no distractions? I'm going to ask you, what is more important than being in the God's presence? What do you have to do? What do you have to resolve that's more important than being in the presence of God? Jacob was amazing. He's teaching us a lot here. I don't know if you really understand. His prayer life, he taught us how to create an atmosphere of change. He was persistent, man. He was persistent. I don't care if you only know one text in the Bible. You bring that text to God. You remind him of that text. 